Hello, my name is Dr. Jacqueline and I'm with DTP Leadership Group. My podcast is Hot Topic Bold Talk. So this evening, I'm going to ask you a question. What are your values and how do they support our democracy? My answer for you is a story about myself and how I got to the place where I am today. But I know the answer for me is social justice supports diversity in our democratic process for all citizens. So as you listen to my story, I hope you will find out what your values are and what they mean to you to the point that you support our democracy. Well, let me start with introducing this by saying I believe that most white people have never taken the time or effort to understand the impact of white privilege, white immunity, or white supremacy. And they don't even accept that it exists. They've not identified their values, and if they have identified them, they seldom live their values in their daily life. They have never considered what other races feel, experience, and know about living in our country. They often do not see how what they call Christianity has led them to feed racism, sexism, heterosexism, homophobia, transgenderism, ageism, and many other isms. What is terribly sad about these individuals is they have a, a very fear-based life that feeds their need to pass laws that only support Caucasians. They are making every effort to maintain white domination, white supremacy, white privilege, and white immunity for themselves so they can stay in denial about how they practice the isms every day. I genuinely believe that Jesus Christ would be horrified by their behaviors and their actions. They are so stuck in the fear of what they might lose that they are making every effort to turn back the racial and social advances we have made in the U.S. They are blinded by their fear and lack of willingness to go beyond where they are. Their greatest fear is to have to feel the impacts that come with racism and the other isms. So that is the reason they pass laws that prevent them from having to feel, be educated in the value of the diverse we have in America, and then go through the experience of confronting themselves on their judgmentalism and desperate need to change U.S. history to deny their fear and hateful actions they take each day. Now, my mother was a Bible scholar and a recognized teacher at the Baptist Church in my hometown. She had over 200 people in her Sunday school class. She read the commentaries, thought about how she lived her life, and would address her behavior and how she acted with others. My mother had the knowing that the Bible was a guide for her life, and also one that needed to be interpreted in a way to apply to current day living. 
She had an intuitive sense about what was respectful and thoughtful action with other people, and that is the way she treated anyone that came into our home. She did not like racism. She saw in the town I grew up in, stood up and spoke out against various kinds of injustice. She was amazingly well-respected and was recognized for her expertise. The story I'm going to tell you about myself is a result of having my mother in my life till she died when I was 30 years old. Over the years, I've realized how much she impacted me, and today I'm able to live my values, really appreciate my Christian beliefs, be appreciative of other forms of religion that support socially just actions that support all races, genders, LGBTQ plus community, and other groups that support our democracy. And what is the reality about the foundations of our nation? My higher order value is social justice. Now, over the years, I've identified five, five values that are at the central core of my being. They are honesty, risk-taking, service, spirituality, and appreciating diversity. My higher order value is social justice. I make every effort to live these five values in my higher order values. They support my purpose in life, which is to live in God's passion and substance and co-create a world that socially transforms lives. My individual purpose is to be real and live in truth. I can meet my purposes in life as I coach clients, have experiences with family, friends, and support a number of organizations that I serve as a member of are on the on the board of the organization. My social justice work has always been a place for risk-taking since most people resist the pain or discomfort that comes with addressing the nine-isms. After people learned to address the beliefs, attitudes, and core values that feed their racism or other isms, they feel empowered and more knowledgeable about what the issues are and how to address the problems that exist in our country. So that, to me, is the amazing thing about the fear of so many uh, mega Republicans people that follow Trump. Because if they only knew how empowered they could be and the knowledge they would have that comes with being able to address the isms and then do something very productive with our society. Now, I ask people to be honest with me. Therefore, it is imperative for me to be honest with them. I know that my ability to take the talents that I have to provide programs that today address cultural competency and social justice are powerful. Since I've spent years working on myself about the isms and still do today. I'm a more integrated person today since I daily consult with my higher power, which is God for me. My spiritual connection with God is my way of staying centered with myself. 
the connection to God nurtures my soul and then I can be the best me. It is impossible for me to support the idea that discrimination based on a person's race, gender, age, or other categories are an acceptable point of view. I'm going to describe now how I grew up and what I was taught primarily by my mother about racism. My father would support my mother when he, she took action to help people that were being discriminated against. So here's my journey, because it led me to a place that I realized that every person's life matters. I grew up in a town in West Texas. People of color lived on one side of the railroad tracks, and Caucasians lived on the other side of the tracks. We did not attend school together, since the town's schools were racially segregated. As a young child, I would ask my mother the reason that some people lived on one side of downtown and some on the other. She would say that discriminating against people was racist, and that it was not what we believed or supported in our home. She made it clear to me that the woman who cleaned our home was an important person and was to be treated with respect and kindness. Every time we were having breakfast, the housekeeper, by the way, my mother later called her the house manager, joined us for meals, and she and mother had lunch together. I would join them when I was not in school. If they had a guest in our home during the, t uh, the day, my mother was clear that we all ate lunch together. My mother always left it to the house manager, if she, manager to decide if she wanted to join her and the other, other person. Sometimes if my mother had a guest, she decided not to eat with us. Our house manager knew, though, that she was very important to us. When I was nine years old, both my parents were ill at some point in that year. At one uh, period of that year, they were both ill. We had an African-American woman named Nettie that was an LVN. She took care of my parents and me. Nettie loved me and I loved her. She took me to school and picked me up and provided all the medical and care needed for my parents. I got to go to church with her on Sundays sometimes, and I loved the music and the spirited sermons that the minister gave on Sunday. Sometimes I went with a friend who went to a different church from the one we belonged to. One of my favorite times with Nettie was when we went to the movies on Saturdays. I knew the reason we sat in the balcony and rode in the back of the bus going to and from the movie theater downtown. My mother and Nettie explained to me about racism and that sometimes we had to do things so there would be no problem for Nettie. One day we got on the bus where the bus driver was exceedingly difficult and said he would not carry us to our destination destination till I got came to the front of the bus and Nettie had to stay in the back. Nettie encouraged me to go to the front here while I was crying 
as I went. After a while, Nettie pushed the cord of the bus to stop it, and we got off. We were 18 blocks from my home. However, Nettie explained that we could walk home, and she would help me. As we went home, she carried me on her shoulders. Sometimes and we skipped, and we played, and we played games on the way home. I thought Nettie was just the greatest thing ever. She was six feet tall and one of the most powerful women I had ever known. Besides my mother. But they were both phenomenal women. It made such a difference in my life. When we got home, I knew Nettie was tired, and I was tired, so I went to my mother's room where she was resting. I told her the story of what happened on the bus coming home and that I thought Nettie needed a chance to rest or go home early, since we had walked so far. My mother called Nettie in to talk with her, and I knew that they both discussed the bus event. My mother talked with my father after talking with Nettie. Since my father had gotten better after prolonged illness, he was driving again and going half days to work. When he came home the next day, he had arranged for a new car for my mother, and Nettie got my mother's car that was one year old. They gave Nettie the car for all the things she had done for me and them, and she continued to work with us. My mother later told me that it was unacceptable for Nettie to experience that kind of treatment on the bus, and that as a family, we did not support that kind of racist behavior. I did not attend an integrated school till I was uh, at the University of Texas in Austin. And during my freshman year, I provided my first diversity program. I was involved with the civil rights movement and continued to be a part of organizations that focused on the civil rights of all races. As I graduated from UT and went to get a graduate uh, school for masters and later finished my doctorate. I continued to develop my skills to provide diversity and social justice programs. I got involved with the National Training Lab, NTL Institute, and an organization that was ahead of its time that provided diversity and business-related programs. I was a professional member of NTL for 25 years. And that is where I built a very strong commitment to address racism, sexism, heterosexism, homophobia, and any of the isms. My outright dislike and refusal to think we need to maintain racism or any of the isms is embedded into my soul. I've lived through more years of deaths of African-Americans, Hispanics, and other people, persons of color than I want to. George Floyd's death and how he died is way too common. I just read an article yesterday about a killing and outrageous behavior in Chicago. It continues every day. The hate crimes that have occurred and continue today has supported my activism today. I speak out against injustice, and that is the reason I started my podcast, 
Hot topic, hot topic, bold talk. And conclusion, this is what I'd like to say. In my first few paragraphs of this podcast, I've described Republicans who support Trump and continue to find every way possible to maintain white domination, white supremacy, and ignore their white privilege and white immunity. I am white. However, I do not fear diversity. I do not fear equity of all people. And I have learned that the power of inclusion of all races, genders, ages, and other categories people are a part of it is our country. I feel grateful to have had my mother, who was a truly gutsy woman, and appreciate the fact that even my father supported her in action she took to stand up against acts of injustice. I learned about the richness of living with people of different races, different religions, and studying those religions with any, with uh, many times with my mother. And then knowing the difference was not something to fear, it was something to learn from. Later in my life, I've realized how I've advanced my mother's activism. I grew up in the 40s and 50s, and she stood her ground on things that were not easy to do. Today, my activism is focused on my higher order values, social justice. My, my values of appreciating diversity, honesty, risk-taking, service, and spirituality assist me in living my higher order value, social justice, every day. As a listener to this podcast, I challenge you to identify your five values. And live those values every day as you interact with the world and the people you meet each day. Determine how your values support our democratic process in our country. When you see our democratic process being eroded, then stand up and speak out with firmness and commitment. Each one of us in the months to come will need to take every action possible to stand firm against the attacks on our democracy and vote for supporters of our democratic process. We may speak to people that have lost their perspective and help them move from fear to seeing what are the riches that a country which supports diversity, equity, and inclusion will prosper far beyond those states and countries that do not support these things. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to continue listening to Hot Topic Bold Talks each week.